It's day four, number 126 with the man Frank Scalish. What is up, dude? I'm just hanging out in Oklahoma. Feels good to be back in studio for a second week in a row. What's going on in Cleveland? Last time I called you the other day, you were out on the water ripping around with some five blade props. Yeah, dude, we did. We set some, uh, we set, uh, our guy, his name is Ryan. He's a good friend of my son's and, and he's a good friend of mine and he came in town. So we set his, uh, his Jaguar up, dude. That's a big old boat. Yeah, dude. I didn't realize it. Like I saw him at the classic. The Jags. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I didn't realize how big it was till I got in it. I mean, it's a big, it's a big giant boat. Um, ran good. Uh, five blade was sick on it. I mean, sick on it. Actually, it did better speed wise for him too than some of the other props, which is not normal for the rough water mm-hmm. prop. <laughs> it's not normal for the rough water prop, but it performed his boat so well. Um, I think he's going to wind up running that prop as a his everyday prop. So nice. that's good. No, I call. Was that yesterday or the day before? I think yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, the yesterday. Days all, days all run together, Uncle Frank. But yeah, yesterday I called and I could tell you were. You were out on the water, and you're like, what's up, Hager? <laughs> I and I was like, where the hell are you? You're like, I'm out with Todd. We're testing props. That's, all, that's, that's always the case. <laughs> that's always the case. But, yeah, so it worked out really good, and um, I'm really excited. Um, the, props are, the props are doing well. Uh, people are buying them, which is good. Um, but they are it's, – it's a special animal. That that five blade is a special but animal. Speaking of special animals, uh, Lake Champlain is an animal. Oh, I and love it's that a special lake. animal elite series going on right now. There's already a couple guys pushing 20 pounds. I think Alex Redwine's already at 21 pounds two hours into the morning. That's sick. Are they small? Are, are they catching smallies? M- mixed bag, yeah, mixed bag yeah. because the water came up. Ticonderoga, which had been dormant. I wouldn't say dormant, but it, it hadn't been the Ticonderoga of, well, decades past. Right, right. Is is back in play. Well, the large because- mouth are in the grass, and then the small mouth are big, and they're out on rock piles, and guys are forward facing them. So you literally have a best of both worlds scenario going on right, right now. Well, you know why? You know, I'll tell. We're going to get in today's show is actually, ironically enough, um, going to explain why Ticonderoga is fishing now that the water came up. So, nice. We're talking yeah. about the dog days of summer today. Right. We're talking about dog days of summer and dissolved oxygen content. Why is this important? We'll get into that later. Are you gonna ex- <laughs> are you gonna explain to me why all of a sudden in my Thursday nighters where I had been catching four to five pounders, I am now catching nothing or one pounders? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's gonna be it's a it's a really good, it's a really good um show today it's very this is going to go on the side of an educational piece Mm -hmm. um it's not very long but it's very in-depth and it'll open your eyes it'll open the fisherman's eyes to a lot of Mm -hmm. issues that they encounter especially in august especially the middle to the end of august where things get really goofy so this is good stuff yeah, so we got a lot to you know we got a lot to look forward there. Chuck saying no one went to tie today. I think that was probably weather, weather related. That's it. have you made that run from where I, they take I, out of Champagne? I'm gonna be so honest with you, it's gonna blow your mind. I refuse to go to Ticonderoga. 
Really? Every time I fish that lake, I'm like, I'm not going down there. And there's way too many fish from the midsection up north to pass all those bass up on a chance that if the weather changes, you may not get back. And so I just refused to do it. And, 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 and quite frankly, um, when I took second there, I had a mixed bag also. Mm -hmm. um, the three previous top eight finishes I had there were all smallmouth. That's all I concentrated on was smallmouth. It just so happened the year that I took second, I was catching both species in the same place, um, same places. Uh, and then the pattern held out through the entire tournament. So I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not changing nothing. <laughs> Have you ever not made it in? Have you ever like gone out, yes. procured a satchel and then failed to make way in? Because oh, no, of no, weather, no. Because of weather. No, I, I, no, I never, okay. I always get back. Um, okay. I don't it's play a valid it. question though. I no, it's a huge that. question. Now I was late on my own stupidity one time, yeah. which cost me a top 10 finish on Gunnersville. But um, as far as I got him, holy cow, I can't make it back in. That's never been a, no, it's never been the case. I got, I got caught on Lake Erie one time in a bad scenario and I made it back, but by, by the skin of my teeth, I made it back. Um, it was a bad decision on my part. I overstayed my welcome. Uh, I saw the wind shift and I said, I got time and you have no time. <laughs> when you say, when you're on Erie and you're 55 miles away from weigh-in, you have no time because by the time you go 10 miles, you're into the heat of the storm. Yep. And, um, it almost... It almost cost me some some quid. <laughs> but that's why I think on those Great Lakes, you see a lot of guys that go, and once they catch a weight that they're happy with, they bounce if it's somewhat yeah. sketchy out. Like, you know, on Ontario, we've seen those guys, hey, I made six drops and I was done. Oh, they yeah. could have pushed it another 45, but you never know whether you're going to be going 14 or whether you're going to be going 35. Correct. And that's the problem. Um, Champlain's different. Uh, since we're talking about Champlain, Champlain is probably goes in my top 10 on my all time favorite lakes. I absolutely love the lake. It fishes great for me. Um, I've experienced some very bad weather on that lake. Um, I potlucked an FLW event there one time and got out of there with 10 grand. But in all honesty, they should have never let us go. I mean, it was that bad. Um, I got to my first spot, and it was an over an hour before anyone else showed up. That's how rough it was. So, yeah, but that lake, that, that lake's weird because if the wind blows down the pipe, okay, mm -hmm. you can't really tack them unless you, go, unless you go left to right across the lake, back and forth, back and forth, which doubles your distance. All right, because it's so it gets so narrow in certain places. You just have to eat it. You have to eat it. And that's that that's the beauty of that five blade is that you can continue forward progress um, and you're not taxing your motor too much because you're not over tacking all the time. Anyway, that's a different story. But um, but Champlain is 
to me, Champlain is a very diverse fishery because you could literally relegate yourself to grass fishing shallow. You could go pure rock piles, zero grass, or you can say I'm doing nothing but targeting largemouth mm-hmm. um, or nothing but targeting smallmouth. Um, I've caught them tons of different ways on the lake in the same tournament. Um, just because I'll have an area that does this technique and then another area that does that technique. So it's really a fun place to fish. It, re- it really is. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, that, that, there's a lot of them. Oh, I, well, that, no, no, no. You mentioned, you said that it's in your top five. So I just wrote down top 10, and I think I can name seven of your favorite top 10 lakes just based on day fours over the past year and a half. Fire when ready. I think I can do it in order. I could name that lake in one sentence. Go ahead. All 10. Uh, lake Erie is number one. Gotcha. This is for you. This is my guess on you. Okay. Norman is number two. Oneida is number three. Gunnersville is number four. St. Clair Detroit River is number five. Gunner, Gunnersville is number six. Am I somewhat close to that? Um. Do I have all those in there? Erie, Norman, Champlain, Oneida, Gunnersville, Ufall, Alabama, and St. Clair. Are those all in your top 10? No. No. You're close, okay. though. Dang you're it. close. You're close. What okay. did I miss? All right. So Champlain. Number one? I'm going Champlain is number one. My, okay. for, my favorite. Um, I'm going to go Erie is number two. Okay. I'm going to go one you, you, go. One you completely missed. I, oh, I'm I getting there. Table Rock. Oh, you do. Uh, you do talk about Table Rock a lot. Is number three. Okay. Norman, number four. Okay. I'm going to, uh, Oneida's going to go a little farther down on my list. Okay. I believe. Um, only because I fish so good on Oneida and that lake screws me every other time I'm there. So <laughs> I, I concur with you. All right. So we have, this is, uh, uncle Frank's in order impromptu list of favorite fisheries in the United States, Champlain, Erie, Table Rock, Norman. Number five is number five tricky um i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna freak everybody out on on number five i am going to say number five is a lake i've never been on in my life you can't do that why it's it's because i'm okay i won't okay fine no 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 i i got you but but if people ask why you have reasons for it and you're what this one is just i just like it what was it what is it lake lanier Oh, I could see that. It's got a little, it's got, it's a mix between Table Rock and Norman, but it's got the fish population of Champlain and the size of Erie. That's right. Lanier intrigues me because of my structure fishing roots and spotted bass. And so I got to go Lanier's five. I'm going to No, Lanier has to be a side, a side. Okay. It's it's got to be an honorable mention because you can't have a favorite lake that you've never fished. That's true. Okay. So honorable mention is Lanier. Okay. So I'm going to go 
Uh, number five. It Wait, was, how about this? How about next week we do the top 10 fisheries that you want to fish that are on your hit list? Yeah, dude, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, okay. so this is your favorite currently, and then we'll get into today's show, which is the dog days of summer. And then next week we'll open the show with the top 10 that are on your hit list, and then we'll get into the main topic. Perfect, perfect. Okay, okay so where are we? I got to do number Champlain, five. Erie, Table Rock, Lake Norman. Number five is... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say number five is Amistad. Ooh. Um, only because later in my career I figured... I figured it out mm -hmm. um, and then never got to go back, uh, which really disappointed me because I figured it out. So I'm going to go number five, Amistad, even though it's not the Amistad of yesterday. They're still living there. They still are there. Um, then I'm going to go uh, six is going to be Gunnersville. Seven is going to be Oneida. Eight is going to be St. Clair. So I had a bunch of these on there. Yeah, you did. So I so I need a nine and a ten now. Yep. Champlain, right. Erie. This is in order. Champlain, Erie, Table Rock, Norman, Amistad, Gunnersville, Oneida, St. Clair. Okay, so now I need a moment to gather my thoughts because I got two left. Yep. And I have to think about this. Oh, dude. Well, can I can I choose a place based on past history? Yeah, yeah. You could choose it based on Based on anything, you just the only stipulation is you've had to at least win a line there. <laughs> <laughs> One of your top 10 favorites. Okay. And it could be a little, little local joint. Doesn't have to be a, a powerhouse. I have local lakes that I love that are in your top 10 that I'm not mentioning on air. You could you could put a you could put a uh unnamed lake at number nine if you wanted to. And I'm, you gonna, and I'm going to put an un no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just. We could do a Lake X if you want. I'm going to leave it out. So okay, so nine. So where the hell am I? Eight, eight nine. I'm on nine. Mm. Um, I'm going with the Red River. No. <laughs> yeah, I know this you is, always do well there, but that is such an outlier. It is such an outlier, but it's totally based on the past. My past performances on the lake. Yep. Because I, I have, I have, I've never tanked it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And so here's the weird here's the weird part about it. So so the th the weird part about it is that that's a place that I never fish deeper than four feet, and can't see more than three inches. Right, hundred percent. It goes. It's not against. It's not against the the grain. It's totally to against the grain as the opposed to the other seven. Correct. That's the reason I like it. So when okay. the I have a I I have a quick. I have a, I'm going to make another statement on another river that I've only fished twice in my life. And it's so unique and so crazy that I'm going to list it at number 10 at number 10 hit a, hit me with it. The Niagara river. Ooh. Uh, cr that this river is absolutely insane depending if you're above the falls or below the falls. I fished above the falls and below the falls and did not go over the falls. <laughs> so anyhow, <laughs> I was actually fishing In next a barrel. to the, I was fishing next to the mate of the mist. In no, a lure um, net barrel painted with a gut bag. That's right. It had a gut bag on it. Um, 
it's it's the craziest river I've ever seen. The current there is sick fast. It's absolutely out of control. Um, it made the smallmouth fishing really predictable, but it was insane. It was, I mean, the current was so fast. It was it was nuts. So I'm, I listed that only only because it was so unique to me. It was it was so unique. So I listed that. There is another lake that I didn't mention, but it's not it's not a top ten. I, I, I'm gonna go Smith Lake in Alabama. Is my is my could substitute. That's a good list. That's a that's a predictable list with a couple of outliers in there. Right, right. Because you know you gotta have some. You gotta ha- you gotta mix it up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Champlain number one, Erie number two, Table Rock number three, Norman number four, Amistad number five, Gunnersville number six, Oneida number seven, Saint Clair eight, Red River nine, Niagara River ten. Yeah, that's got everything in there except uh except the title fishery right and i and i, I you know I, the potomac's been good and bad to me the james river's been really crappy to me um but the potomac <laughs> no i never fished the whirlpool but i know What's exactly that? exactly Below what Niagara Falls. yeah there's a there's a um, they do a lot of uh salmon fishing by that thing I got you. Steve says Uncle Frank would like uh, Oahe in the Dakotas. Dude, I I I, I love lakes that I've never been to yeah, because that's of why next week's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah, next, next week, week will be next fun. week is going to be on the on the Uncle Frank uh, hit list. Bucket list, yeah. Bucket bucket list. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to say hit list. <laughs> the bucket list please <laughs> oh man you're gonna give i'm gonna have a stroke right now an aneurysm on live on youtube <laughs> oh uh, gosh that's great dog day, okay dog days is summer <laughs> do we have to hey do we have to welcome people we gotta welcome some people here don't we oh yeah that uh, take a uh take a minute we've got some big additions to day four yeah. coming in the new the next upcoming weeks a very big addition uh we want to welcome the uh viewers of uh the big play sports network uh today there it is so there this is, is this is cool this is something that you uh have put had had on the radar is a cleveland-based streaming sports network yes and it has a ton of current and former professional athletes from Ohio and the Cleveland area that all have different shows. Correct. And, um, they talk about all sports, college, you know, everything. And, um, it's a great, it's a great network. I'm happy to be, you know, I'm happy that day four, that you and I matter are going to be involved in, in the bat and ball arena. Um, I think it's about time, um, you know, everybody talks about bass fishing and where it's going, but the reality of it is, is that, that fishing crosses over many sports platforms. There's so many guys that, that play professional sports that, that hunt and fish. Um, 
And so I think this is a good mix. Big play thinks it's a good mix and uh, we're off. Absolutely. We're off nothing changes. Uh, if you no. currently watch BTL on no. any, however you watch it, it'll still be there. It's just an addition to expand the reach since uh, uncle Frank is a Cleveland sports legend. You're retired. <laughs> I mean, you are, you're retired. <laughs> Former professional athlete from Cleveland. Oh uh, yeah, I guess so you so. fit right into the right into the uh, to the list right there with uh, Daniel Gibson and Bernie Kozar and Chris McNeil. I'm not going to say that <laughs> that I should be in the same sentence as those guys. <laughs> their their careers were uh, much better than mine was. But you have good stories, so that evens it out. One hundred percent. So still working out on the logistics on that, but uh, keep that on your, on your radar guys. Yeah, it'll be, it, it's a, it's a fun platform. It's a really fun platform. Um, the guys there are fantastic. So, you know, it's, it's nice. Always looking to expand our brand, right guys. That's what we have to do. That is. Oh, I also have an announcement. Fire when ready. Uh, the bass fishing Hall of Fame banquet is coming up on September 28th. Uh, Mike Iconelli is getting inducted into that Good. this year, uh, along with a, a couple other individuals. But along with that banquet, uh, if you listen to BTL, the regular BTL, you know we've done a, uh, a fundraiser. There's a there's an online auction that goes along with it. Like Polinit gives away a trip. We've done a BTL trip where you get to be a co-host for a day. Uh, and go bowling with Mark and fishing with me. We've done that the last couple of years. I'm going to do that again this year. It'll be on that uh, bassfishinghof.com page, and I'll, we'll have more information when this comes up. So I'll do a trip where you can come co-host for a day, then jump in the boat and go fishing for a day, kind of like what we did. That'll and be fun. one of the things that you have agreed to do, though, is to donate a one-of-one signature series Frank Scalish drawing. Right. Uh, it's like an eight by ten that will be and that will be in that uh, online auction. Uh, you're actually going to send it to me. I'm going to get it framed, matted. It'll right. be at the Hall of Fame for the auction. But if you are a BTL listener and would like a one-of-one one autographed Frank Scalish drawing for your man cave, for your living room, above your bed, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, just be on the lookout down. in the next couple of weeks that that store will open and we'll have more details but thank you for that donation uncle frank no sweat man and you know what's funny we um the the bass fishing hall of fame i i think i can totally deserves to be there oh yeah um we we have the we have the football hall of fame 45 minutes from my house uh a friend of mine uh the left tackle for the browns joe thomas just got inducted into that into that um last month which is fantastic actually it's just a few weeks ago uh which is fantastic kudos to him kudos to you mike yeah you're a good dude did a lot for this industry and you deserve to be in the in the hall of fame the rumor is that uh the iconelli squad that is mm -hmm. attending that is going to be like half the room like he's bringing any like bringing everybody Holy smokes. And man. they're from Jersey. And it's going to be loud. And they're going to party. It's going to be obnoxious and loud. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Very cool. That's very good stuff. 
So See, should man, we... I even got you saying good stuff. I know it's making me angry. Actually, <laughs> I've got I got people that are uh, that every show will comment good stuff now. I know. That's I have a little what... little post-it note that says "Don't say good stuff." <laughs> <laughs> I got a post-it note on my computer that says <clears throat> "Don't swear." <laughs> I think we do a, a, a pretty admirable job of that. We do a very good job of it, especially. Haven't been canceled yet, Uncle Frank. We're so far so good. All right. Do we have any other announcements? Because those were two big announcements that I almost skipped over before we get into the dog days of summer. No, I think we're ready. All we're right, ready. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Uh -oh. The floor is yours. I'm live. Uh-oh, that's freaking me out. So the other day I had an opportunity to get, well, a buddy of mine called me first. I'm going to tell you how we got into this. A buddy of mine called me and he was on this lake and he said, man, I went to all of my offshore stuff and none of it was working. I couldn't catch any fish. And I went into a shallow pocket and started crashing them on toads and frogs. And the water temperature was, was not as hot as it was on the main lake. What's going on? Um, and so I thought about it for a second and I'm like, you know, Brandon, I said, uh, we had a couple of days of big rainfall. So you got new water coming in some of those short pockets. Uh, the, the cooler rain dropped the water temperature in those pockets and the bass that were in there put the feed bag on while the bass that were on the main lake were still suffering from low oxygen levels, um, not stagnant water, but we hadn't had the rain in a while. And so the, the oxygen level, the dissolved oxygen content was low on the main lake. So what happens then is the fish start to push a little bit shallower, et cetera, et cetera, based on the size of the lake, obviously. And um, he goes, oh, I never thought of that, but we caught him anyway. So I started thinking about that and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a, a show on this because it's very important in my opinion. So, so you hear about dissolved oxygen um, and, and what is it really? Okay. So what, what, what happens dissolved oxygen is really the amount of oxygen per liter of water, basically. Um, in order for fish to thrive, they need uh, like 7 to 11 milligrams of dissolved oxygen per liter, roughly. Some fish could do with less, um, like carp and rough fish can have four, you know, four milligrams. Snake heads, that stuff. Right. They can, they, they can live in the less desirable water conditions, but most of your game fish cannot. And so what happens in the summer, well, I'll just get, I'm going to get into that. So what happens in the summer, and usually it's the dog days of August, okay, you have less rainfall, your weather's fairly stable, it's hot, maybe not a ton of wind, um, so the dissolved oxygen content gets less and less. So here's what happens. Okay. So let's go, let's, let's start out with, there you go. Perfect. Cause temperature definitely affects dissolved oxygen. That's what happens in the summertime. So I have a little diagram here. And so let's just say this is our thermocline in 
the end of June, July, this is where our thermocline is. And I'm making this up. It's 25 feet. It's going to vary depending on what lake you are. In most instances, in your deeper lakes, it's going to be much, the thermocline will be much deeper. In your shallow flat lakes, the thermocline will be shallower. So for all intensive purposes, to show you what happens here. So your thermocline, June, July, it's fairly deep. So everything you want to fish, can you see this? Because I can't see it. Anything. Yeah, absolutely. It looks fantastic. Okay, so anything you want to fish. Rock piles, stones, at any, grass. At any depth level is available, okay? As August approaches, same diagram, different thermocline. As August ah. approaches, your thermocline gets higher in the water column. So now your fishable water gets narrow. So you see, now we lost some stuff to fish. And so we have to concentrate on this depth and shallower. Okay, so that's what happens in the dog days of August. That thermocline starts to shift a little bit. The fish start to get a little bit shallower. Now, shallower doesn't mean they're not offshore. Mm -hmm. It just means the thermocline climbed a little bit. So now your depth that your fishing climbs a little bit still you can still catch them offshore but you're but things are changing a little bit and the thermocline is changing and then so i i am really proud of this graph that i was able to find this quickly i think it's cooler than this is exactly what you're talking about though exactly exactly because because the hotter the water temperature gets Mm -hmm. um the more dissolved oxygen Blah blah. I'm. I mean, the less dissolved. Yeah. Oxygen, so the blah, this blah, blah, tan blah. line here is dissolved oxygen, and the blue line is water temperature. And this is on the Potomac River, so you can see how much dissolved oxygen there is January, February, March, then April and May, and then June, July, and August is super low as the water temp is super high and then it climbs back in october november and december right so now you have to remember something this you just said something this is the potomac river so there's another thing that affects the potomac river tide the current and the saltwater infusion infusion oh okay because the more salinity the more it affects the dissolved oxygen content Mm -hmm. so what so so what do you so here so we're talking about all of this so what can you do as an angler? What can you do? So you have to understand something. Water, water is oxygenated in many different ways, okay? The air oxygenates water, but the, you have to have wind in order to get the oxygen into the water. So wave action, wind action puts, puts more oxygen in the water. So let's just say that that's the only variable we know. When you go out, you want to fish all the windy stuff, windy banks, you know, the wind blowing over shallow high rock piles. Um, You could fish the wind pattern and you're fishing in water that's desirable for game fish, all right? Now, we also know the other thing that puts oxygen in the water is fast moving water in the form of runoff waves, river systems etc etc so what does that mean so okay so let's just say i'm fishing a reservoir that is a typical reservoir the dam on the lower end river on the upper end so i'll run up the river and get into the current made from the river 
the fish will be more active there because there'll be more oxygen. That's one way to look at it. Another thing to do is if you have a rainfall, you fish all the runoff areas where the water's running in off the bank into the water system. Very, very good spotted bass technique, by the way, um, to fish all the fishers, all the water that's rush, rushing into the lake. Um, that's another way to, you know, to get where you need to go for active fish. The other thing we know that puts water, that puts oxygen in the water is vegetation. So if you're, if you're fortunate enough to have lakes with grass in them, you've just fished the green grass, the very green grass and deep green grass is better. Um, it offers the fish a little bit more in the form of food coming in, better feeding lanes, et cetera, et cetera. That's not to say the shallow green grass won't have them because it will. But you got to remember the thermocline's changing, bass are pushing shallower. So the first place they're going to stage is on the deepest, greenest grass. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking high percentage areas. And that's, and that's really the best way to break down the lakes, in all honesty, this time of year. Um, I was out the other day and I ran into the same thing. I went to some of the, deep stuff I had, the, the 18 to 20 foot stuff, and was dr dragging jigs down there. And, and lo and behold, I caught about a three and a half pounder almost right off the rip. It wasn't exactly right off the rip because I spent about 45 minutes fishing various places and then I got one. So I thought, oh, here we go. I'm in. Now I'm going to start running this stuff. So I started running some of my deep stuff. I never caught another bass doing it. So I said, well, okay, uh, better, I better go to the first break off the bank. Not, not necessarily fishing the bank, but the right. first main break off the bank. And wound up finishing the day with, you know, almost 30 bass. Uh, because the thermocline changed, the dissolved oxygen content was no good, and the bass went to the first break. Now, I did have a fortunate instance because on some of these breaks were scattered grass and so they pulled up to the mm -hmm. deepest the deepest scattered grass so there was. let me ask let me just get this straight in my head then i know this is elementary stuff but the dissolved oxygen content is less below the thermocline so there's less oxygen down there so they're going to pull up to where the optimum comfort level is for them which in most cases is it something because like they can't warm water rises or something or because it's colder yeah. sinks. So then the thermocline is actually going to go up higher in the water column, the hotter it gets. Yeah. And, because what's right. Cold water sinks. Yeah. So everything below the thermocline is virtually. Oxygen you always hear treated. of guys, you can catch some fish sometimes below the thermocline, but that's when you said, if there's something else that is impacting that zone. Well, the, the thing about it is, is that most of the time you're not catching fish below the thermocline. Okay, so it's at or above the thermocline. Correct. It's at or above. Now, so, realizing the closer to the thermocline they get, the less oxygen there is. Below okay. the thermocline, it's almost not livable for game fish. Okay. There, there are species that can live below the thermocline. So even though it's difficult fishing, in theory, you're going to apply the same principle that you do when you get on a lake and you find bait fish you're going to look where the 
if all the bait fish are in 16 to 18 feet, you're going to look for cover or structure yes, or both in 16 to 18 feet where it meets. And you're going to target that depth area as a whole around the lake with the thermocline you're going to get on. You're going to find your thermocline, which just for reference, because there is a, uh, you're going to have that. Yeah. You can have a picture. There's your thermocline right there. Right. And so if that thermocline is in 20, let's just say 25 feet, based on this picture here, most of your fishing is going to be done 25 feet and above. Correct. Most of your bass fishing is going to be done above that thermocline. Yep. Always. Um, Now, here's here's another thing you have to remember about this. Some lakes can thermocline in parts of the lakes and won't thermocline in other parts of the lake. Table Rock is notorious for this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are sections of Table Rock that will not have a thermocline in it. And there yep. are other sections of Table Rock that'll have the most defined thermocline you've ever seen. Right. And that happens in a lot of lakes. Some lakes that won't thermocline hardly at all. And they'll go top to bottom it's like the st lawrence river with no thermocline that's why you right. catch fish in 70 feet and you catch fish in two correct feet. and same that's, with table rock the, and that's predicated based on current the, the um the, the river systems okay. current current moves the oxygen throughout the system every time the water hits a rock pile or a high spot it diffuses the water out around it's always it's always oxygenating that's why those systems can fish so deep year-round there's always oxygen. Now here, the turnover, because Matt, you said something important. Warm, warm water rises, cold water sinks. The thermocline, the turnover happens when the surface water gets cooler than the water below the thermocline. Then the surface layer sinks down, mixes with the warmer water below, the warmer water rises. And now for the first time since probably spring you've got oxygenated water throughout the entire system and the and the hardest part to fish during the turnover is the turnover itself because everything's in a state of flux and so that's it's not stable anymore it will stabilize and then the fishing becomes astronomical but but during the turnover is probably the hardest time to fish in my opinion it's like a bad relationship, just no stability. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, and yet again, we took a turn. We took another turn <laughs> on day four. <laughs> We're going to have to That start. might be why I excel during this time of the year, Frank. If you look at my stats, I'm just, this is, <laughs> that's where I live. I live in that turnover period. You live. <laughs> on and off the water. That's good. That gives you patience. That gives you patience and, and incredibly incredible stamina. That's a oh, remarkable that's... amount of info packed into. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's a unique scenario yeah. that fishermen will come in contact with. Um, most people I find don't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. Um and this is as simple as it gets. I mean, it's really not any more, it's no, no more complicated than we talked so, about. So let's do a walkthrough then. So you get on the lake. You're in the late summer. You haven't been on it in a while. It's the dog days of summer. It is right now. You get on a lake. 
that that you know well you don't know if it does or doesn't have a thermocline you're going to turn right. your electronics on your 2d you're going to turn the sensitivity up correct correct you got to turn the sensitivity and, up and what you're going to do is start idling around go into a big branch of it on the main lake in the back and you're going to start looking for yeah so this. so ba- right so basically what you're going to do the best thing to do is if you launch if you launch your boat pick a section that has a steep break off and deep water and Good. just idle straight across it and that'll tell you where your thermocline that'll is. tell you in that section of the lake that'll tell you and that. now in that section of the lake you know where you need to target everything above it and mm-hmm. so so the other thing is let's just say you're not great with your electronics yep and maybe you can't get your electronics dialed in on a thermocline so the next best thing you can do is look for the bait because the bait fish aren't going to be below it. They're always going to be above it. So for or example, yeah, or, or right around it. So let's, for example, say you're idling around and you're seeing all your bait, nothing is deeper than 20 feet. You could assume that in that section of the lake you're looking at, that the thermocline is probably 20 feet or below because nothing is in it. Nothing is below it. Now, the, I said there are going to be some species mm-hmm. that go below the thermocline, but you're not what you're fishing for. How do they not boil then? I mean, a lot of the lakes in Oklahoma are 100 freaking degrees right now, 92, 93 degrees up in four and five foot of water. That they can just live in that, that yeah. warm of water? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's why pe- when you, you hear people talk about southern strain, largemouth, northern strain, mm-hmm. largemouth, for example, th- uh, everybody will tell you a largemouth is a largemouth is a largemouth. Um, I'm going to tell you that's only true to a certain extent, because what I have found is that our northern strain largemouth, if they stopped eating every time a cold front came in, we wouldn't have bass here. Because certain times of the year, the cold fronts are coming in and out like night and day. They just pop mm-hmm. in, pop out, pop in. The bass have to still feed. So they do. I could tell you for a fact in Florida, I was fishing when a cold front came through and you couldn't catch a bass. Oh, I experienced that in the open. Like it was the biggest cold front in like yeah. the last 20 years. I was there when the iguanas were falling out of the trees. Yeah, you couldn't catch a bass. And we caught, I think I caught like four bass in three days. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. And then in the tournament, I had a limit. Yeah. Everyone started catching them. That's exactly what happened to me on Okeechobee. We had, we had one day was 19 degrees down there. 19? Yeah, 19, one nine. The other, the other two days were in the twenties. Oh my gosh. I did not catch. I caught zero fish in the entire practice. Zero. The tournament came around, weather warmed up. The first day of the tournament, I ran to a place that should I should have caught them and didn't catch them and crashed them and, and came out of there with a check. And I never caught a fish during the practice because of the cold front. Uh, so to me, the southern strain largemouth is way more sensitive to weather conditions than a northern strain. Mm-hmm. Um, where our bass... They, 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 sometimes they get a little feedy when the, when the weather gets nasty, um, where I found with the Southern strain, 
Um, they they it's in their DNA that if they're if they're going to have inclement cold front come in they don't have to eat they don't have to worry about eating because the next day or two days later it's going to be warm again and then everything's going to work for them mm -hmm. so they don't it's not a necessity for them to feed um and where our bass i feel as though and i could be wrong it's just my feeling on it i growing up i didn't understand when i heard people talk about cold fronts and how you can't catch a bass in a cold front I always thought they were full of crap because I never, I never, I never experienced that up here. Um, but at the minute I got below the Mason Dixon line and started coming in contact with Southern strain largemouth, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe it. You know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. true. So, so that's the differences between the two strains that I see behavioral wise. Obviously there's a little size difference too, but yeah. the Southern strain has a warmer and a longer growing season than a northern strain, so they get much bigger. You see, but, Ed, um, Ed Locker caught a six twelve out of Champlain in practice, largemouth. Dude, dude, that's an old bass. That's an old largemouth for up there. Yeah, I mean the thing just yeah. was straight meat. Uh, now, answer me this: a lot of different types of fisheries. We have tidal fisheries. We have rivers. We have natural lakes. We have dammed up river lakes. We have man-made lakes. Is there one type of lake that is more prone to having a very de de defined thermocline? I would have, obviously we've talked about rivers most likely will not because of the water movement and the oxygen right. content. Right. Uh, do natural lakes get a thermocline like like the Great Lakes, like Erie, like Champlain? Well, Erie's tricky. Parts of Erie will thermocline, okay. but here, but you got to remember something about Erie. Erie loses its entire water every three years. It replaces yeah. its entire water system every three years. Lake Erie has a massive amount of current in it. The current gets stronger at the western basin and the eastern basin because here you have two you have two neck down areas. And and so you go from the central basin, which is fairly steep and deep. All right. Water slows down in the central basin as it gets to the eastern basin, it starts to shallow up again. Current starts to speed up because the water is being compressed into a smaller area. Water starts to speed up and poof, you got current, oxygen, et cetera, okay. et cetera. Um, natural lakes, absolutely thermocline, 100%. Okay. Um, now, it also depends if it's a shallow, you know, 12 foot deep natural grass lake. No. It probably won't thermocline because there's enough green vegetation in there to keep the oxygen levels high. But they'll even thermocline on like TVA lakes mm -hmm. and stuff that oh, yeah. have current flowing through yeah. the fishery. Certain sections of that body of water will. It's no okay. different than table rock. Certain sections of table rock thermocline, certain sections won't. So is it's, there advantageous to focus on sections that do have a thermocline or focus on sections that don't have a thermocline or you well, just have to be cognizant of what you're working with because that either expands or reduces the amount of fishable water? hundred percent. So, okay. so, so like, like realistically, like if you know where the thermocline is in an area that thermoclines, you just have to target all your offshore. If you're offshore fishing, mm -hmm. you just have to target all your offshore fishing above the thermocline. Like here at Amistad, 
Um, grass does not grow below the thermocline. There's no oxygen and light penetration is bad. Um, but here at Amistad, I was, we talked about crank and standing mm -hmm. timber. Okay. The, 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 the depths that the depths that the trees started growing in were excess of 50 feet deep. And the trees grew up to 20 feet from the surface. 18 to 20 feet from yep. the surface. And I was catching all my bass cranking treetops because below the treetops was the thermocline. Oh, beautiful. So it pulls all those. So fish it pushed could... all those fish up oh, to the that's awesome. fish up to the top of the trees. So, so it that, helped. It was advantageous. Oh, it dude, it made life easy, real easy. Because I took a water column essentially that was unmanageable, and the thermocline went. Whoosh, and made it super manageable. Mm -hmm. So you can use this to your advantage as well. So yeah, it's very, this is very important stuff that, um, yeah, springs mix water. That's Beaver right. Lake, key on Beaver Lake. There's right. a lot of springs on Beaver Lake. Like yeah, that. springs are critical. They can be the best fishing spots in the lake if you know where they're at. And not all springs are deep, by the way. So in all reality, the thermocline exists for four months out of the year. Pretty you don't, much. You don't ever get a thermocline in the winter. No. Because you no. have to have two drastically different water temps. Right. Um, you know, wintertime fishing is one of my favorite times to fish. Obviously, after the spawn um, through the fall migration is a favorite time of mine. I just like offshore fishing a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I, I spend most of my time doing it. Um, you can't ignore the shallow fishery when the fish are shallow. I mean, that's stupidity. Um, <laughs> you would never, you would never, you know what I mean? If all the fish are spawning and you're out there dragging a Carolina rig in 30 feet of water, you lose, <laughs> uh, you know, so you got to kind of be smart about it. Shit, I had a question for you and I totally forgot. I See, that's like what the pen and paper's for. You have to you have to write down stuff. I've got a whole page of notes right here. See? <laughs> um I have no idea what it was. It'll come back to you, I promise. Right when we go off the air, you'll go, Oh, I know what I was gonna ask you. <laughs> I feel like it was a fairly intelligent question too because obviously i know what the thermocline is a lot of people do you hear everyone talk about it and everything but the way that you explained it and put it into such easy layman's terms to understand i learned a lot on that well i appreciate it yeah i mean it's not it's not a complicated thing it, go ahead i remembered okay <laughs> i got my pen so out. when there's no thermocline it's obviously difficult to fish ultra deep water than it is. You know, if you have a choice and you're going to catch them equally as good, there's no need to catch them out of 80. If you can catch them out of 20, you have to get your bait Correct. down there. It's different. It, do fish like on the table rock when it gets deep. And I don't know if you even know this question. And I know they have swim bladders that, that regulate their, their buoyancy, but do they feel pressure like, like we do where we have to clear our ears like can it get to where i mean i know i've talked to her to guys be like oh we caught him in 80 foot of water like are those fish feeling the pressure of the depth that they're at or to them is it just like swimming in 10 feet of water do you have no do you know that yeah they're feeling the pressure of the barometric pressure 
is what they're feeling because the, it's it's like um it's like tides tides based around the full moon the more the bigger the the full moon the bigger the tide etc cetera, etc cetera. that's what the fish are feeling um that kind of thing they're the fish are designed to be able to go as deep as they want to go basically they're designed for it but they'll feel the environmental pressures um barometric pressure also can can do things to dissolve the oxygen also um the only thing i don't get is if cold water holds more dissolved oxygen than warm water, then why is there less oxygen below the thermocline? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't, I can't answer that. All I can tell you is there's almost the, the oxygen level below the thermocline is almost inhabitable for game fish. Well, I shouldn't say game fish for, for bass. So I'm not 100% sure on that. That is a good question. Here's but, but I think I think what happens is because of the the because there's a definitive temperature difference, um I just don't think your oxygen's getting down there. There's no circulation. I don't think it's getting down there. That's a uh that's a biologist question. Here's another one. Which we'll just hit you with all the hard hitting ones. Do springs generally have a high or low dissolved oxygen? Springs, because the water is moving, it's cooler, probably has a, uh, has good oxygen content in it. That's why fishing by springs, if you can find them, is so good, especially at certain times of the year. Like, here's something. Here's something. Like, if you know, let's say you're fishing in a river system, a dammed river system. So yeah. we'll call we'll call it Lay Lake, um, Gunnersville, you know, yep. th th those types. And some of with a lock and dam. So, yeah, lock and dam on both ends of the water moves through the system. Right. You could literally get the get the pool movement. When are they going to start pooling water? When are they going to start letting water in? And you because I did this at the at one of the classics on Lay Lake, my first very first classic. I ran I ran to the to the upper end. I mean, the lower end when they were letting water in. And I ran the other end when they were pumping, taking the water out. So I was constantly in the current. Um, it didn't work out for me in the classic because I couldn't do it back then. Initially, back then, they gave us boats to run. Mm -hmm. You had to, you had to, you know, take some of your tackle out. You had a certain amount of tackle you could take out and blah, blah, blah. They gave us boats to run. Well, the boat that I ran, that I got, wasn't running fast enough for me to run back and forth three times in the day. Mm -hmm. So I got pinned into a section of the lake because I had to manage time and it didn't pan out for me, but in practice, it was, it was like manna from the heavens. I knew, <laughs> I knew I was going to run up there and crash them. And then I knew I was going to run down to the other end and crash them. And mm -hmm. so consequently it didn't game plan for me that well in my very first classic, but it was definitely a thing and you can do that on some of these lakes you can you can fish the tail race and then when they're going to stop letting water in you run to the other side because now they're going to let some out and you can fish the current on the other side as well the other end of the lake as well that's good stuff frank yeah, I like it. I liked it. You know, I, I actually I actually was sitting down yesterday 
last night and I go, I, I don't have anything concrete uh, for the show today. Oh, I do. I actually left my show and tell in, in the, the other studio out there. Do you have anything to talk about for 20 seconds? Because I just pulled up the paint shop and the rebel teeny wee cross, the custom series right there reminded me of what I've got out in the living room. Now I'm not going to give away the, the goods. <laughs> eh, I might give away the goods, but I have some stuff that I think you would like to see. I would love to see it. Pull You can pull that picture back up and then you could run and get what you got to get. And All right, I'll be back in 20 set. Where do you want it? You want it on right the, there. On those, or do you want it on the electrocution uh, 100 series? The electrocution 100 is a great color, but uh, I want it right there. Leave it right, right. there. I'll be All right, right back. Go. Okay, so uh, this has nothing to do with bass fishing, <laughs> you guys. So just bear with me. So the Bandit 300 crappie colors. All right. Let me tell you about the, the three, the Bandit 200 and the Bandit 300 back when I was coming up were some of the best bass crankbaits at the time for the depths they ran in, especially the 200. So the crappie guys, um, started trolling the bandit 300 for crappies when the crappies would start suspending um, after they were done spawning and they're leaving all the bush tops and everything else throughout the fall the crappies would suspend and the crappie guys were trolling bandit 300s and massacring them um pete ponds actually pete ponds actually turned me on to that so anyhow uh, bobby garland the little crappie baits um have colors that they made that the that really catch the crappies well so i designed a 300 for the crappie guys after the bobby garland colors so what i did was i incorporated some of the the bobby garland colors into the 300 bandit series for the crappie guys so anyway i just a little diversion but you know we needed it we needed that version. I saw them down there. <laughs> you had them a minute ago. <laughs> I did have them pulled up. A Go minute. right there. Now scroll, scroll, scroll. There they are. Oh, yeah. There we go. There they are. So if you notice, you'll see the Bobby Garland crappie lures, and then um, you'll see my paint jobs matched after all of the Bobby Garland colors. Anyway, show me what you got, Matthew. Oh, hold on. <laughs> That's pretty. All right. So I went home, <clears throat> and there's a famous uh, tackle shop. I went to go see Joanne. She was having some some health issues. I've known her since I was a little kid. Got to talk to her grandkids. Didn't get to meet Joanne. But if you're in the Illinois area, you know who Joanne is from Mike's. Legendary. Legendary. Yeah, Been you, around sent, for you sent me pictures of that place, and I'm like, so tempted to make a road trip. <laughs> All right. So that's what reminded me of this. So we'll start out with with that old school rebel craw. Oh, and that's that old school. Old school. This one is from 2003 on the back. That is the uh deep crawfish. Yeah, the D76. And, that's yep. a that's a fish catcher too, by and the way. And then that one See the plastics even like is yellow. 
Yeah. That's an that oldie. one is from 1993. Oh, that's a money bait, dude. And it is the deep crawfish. Yeah, the D76. That that bait right there, that the second one that you held up, that color, yep. the olive, olive, I think it's olive tan. Oh, that's the orange. that's the most notor- notorious or most famous color. Yeah. That. That but was, we had had a show about it, and then I went there and I saw it, and I was like, "Holy cow, I got to get those!" Yeah, dude, those are good. That's a good find. That tackle store is amazing, by the so, way. So, so then this came up. Oh, an original deep. We are. That is from 1984. Yeah, and I got a couple of the deep we are's from 1984. Yeah, I know. I you told me you sent you sent me those pictures, and I said you got to see if they got this color. I want all of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and they did not. Uh, they did then not. now Much this this was a blast from the past because when I was 13, 14, 15, this was the hot new bait. It was an Excalibur bait uh at the time, but this is from 2004, so 20 years old. And this is I got a popping image. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I did a bunch of saltwater colors on those. Really? Yeah, I did a but bunch do they of- even make the popping image like that? anymore i I believe so i i did a bunch of colors on that the swimming image and the popping image for saltwater all right now this go ahead oh sorry where are those up there the pop are are they still available the swimming image and popping image colors i i thought they were yeah on lure net i thought so that's how much i know I thank God you're on the computer, Matt, because if it was me. Oh, here it is, the head and pop it, pop an image, still available. Yeah, so you'll see like bay anchovy and stuff like that. Uh, needlefish, I think, is in there. Now, I'm, this is going back because I designed these colors way long ago. Um, so I don't remember. I don't know if the names were changed or what. Yeah, they just have like all the different shads right here. I have, you might have to get down to the saltwater versions of them. All right. So my dad growing up, chrome, black back, big O. Is, yeah, same I mean, as my father. Dude, <laughs> we go up to Canada. That's the only damn thing he wants to throw. We troll it. We cast it for smallies. We put a leader on. We throw it with pike. Everything. Yep. Chrome, black back, medium size, big O. That's what that's that's my dad. That was the C seventy seven. Yeah, that was called the C seventy seven size, and my dad was the same way. We this place where we rabbit hunted had a pond on it, and so we and a cabin. So we would go stay in the cabin. We would rabbit hunt and fish, even though it was November <laughs> and cold. Um, you, you know, it wasn't usually frozen yet then. So we would hunt and we would fish, and then of course we would you know eat the rabbits we killed and some of the fish we caught. So anyhow, I gave him some of those chrome and black big O's and he would just crank them real slow. Well, he yeah. used, he used the chrome and black one. And I, and back in the day, there's the dumbest color on earth, but I hammered fish on it. It was, it was pearl and it was the pearl of the plastic. It wasn't yep. painted pearl. It was the pearl of the plastic. And it had a little black squiggly line down the side. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. It looked like a little worm on the horrible. side of it. It was terrible. And I mashed the fish on it. Okay. So one day I go to my dad's and he's got like 150 of them because he he couldn't he could never do anything with with any kind of restriction so it was just like he he would have 
you know, boxes and boxes of these things. I'd be like, dude, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? He goes, well, now we'll never run out. And I was like, we'll never run out. You don't fish enough to run out. You could have 10 and you wouldn't run out. That bait has such nostalgia for me. I mean, I, I just associate yeah. it with, with Canada and trips up. So when I went to Mike's, uh, Mike passed away a number of years ago, uh, who ran the store. It's, uh, shockingly, that's what it's named after Mike's tackle. Uh, but they kind of became synonymous with when something new came out, they just put it on top of whatever the hell was on the peg. So you have, oh, I, I got you. I see what you're saying. You so have they would generations and the store is so claustrophobic and there's so much tackle in it that you have, and it's been there for so long that you literally have generations of baits that have no one has touched since they've been on a peg for 20 years. Oh, I got to ask you if they have a bait there. It's an old, it's an old Excalibur bait. Probably. So this Chrome, we'll start at the beginning. Now I know there's a, they make newer ones that I can get my hands on, but here's the Chrome blackback version in 2003 packaging. Gotcha. Here's the Chrome blackback version in 1995 packaging <laughs> outstanding and here's the chrome blackback version in 1984 packaging oh yeah dude so you- my my question to you is i i would like to have all these in the box for all of the different models of the chrome blackback just to not throw but for nostalgia reminds me of fishing with my dad up in canada I know there's got to be some other models. So I've got the green, the yellow, and the black, or orange if they're black. I will Venmo anybody who has one in the package. That's And I can get the newest one, obviously. Right. But any of the other in between there, I would love to have all the versions because I feel like I've got some of the hardest ones to find in the package, right? Yeah, you do, actually. Except for the newer ones, but you do. Yeah. But I don't know how many versions there are, if there's a way to figure out what versions and packaging there there was i don't know i mean because I'll, I'll look that up for you okay but i would like to put it you know in a shadow box with all the different ones unopened on that just that medium-sized chrome black back that's the bait isn't it yeah that's great dude that is really cool the other you know the other big o that was my all-time favorite um was the g finish big o it was just the G finish. They called it G finish. And basically what it was, it was painted out of the paint that you see on freeway signs, you know, that oh. illuminate mm-hmm. when you're driving down your headlights, hit them, won't blow, it illuminates. They painted them like that. And that was an Ohio river mauler. I mean, coming up, we, if you didn't have that throwing it on the Ohio river, you, you were in bad shape. That was a fabulous color. That G finish. <clears throat> Man, this has been a good show, Frank. It's been fun. I feel like it's been a good show. You feel like it's been a good show? Yeah, I think they're all good shows. I'm partial because, well, I'm in, I'm on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a great show, actually. One more announcement. Uh, I am wearing the loaded to the cork long sleeve tee. Massive thank you to all of the uh, BTL listeners and supporters who who purchased the, uh, the day for apparel, uh, really cool to see the fish picks come in and all that. 
what we're trying to figure out is we want some like meaningful or some cool one-off apparel stuff uh now that we just have the logo on it and uh we've come up with something and we i'm excited for this screen screen print is kind of coming back in and obviously frank you are a very talented artist we're going to do a couple limited runs in the next couple months before yeah. the holiday season of some of your favorite artwork on mm-hmm. on quality t-shirts it's not going to be a ton of we're, we're just going to offer one hoodie that's just got the general day four logo it's not going to have the loaded to the cork or anything if you still want that but there's going to be two different designs maybe three different designs limited to uh i think we decided on 250 t-shirts for each design yeah but I it's your design and we're currently in the process of that so look for that in the next couple months yeah, they're, I believe they're actually, they're going to be my illustrations. Yeah, your illustrations yeah. with your signature underneath them. Uh, and we're working on uh, working on getting that too, because you have to make sure like when you print it, how many different colors are on it, how thick it is, does it look, and the original, do you have to get it? To, there's a whole bunch of different little things when you do screen printing, but think like kind of Guy Harvey artistic more instead of day four, we're loaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I I actually have. I'm not gonna show you one the illustration yet. Mm-hmm. I have it. It's money. It's absolute money. And then BTL also, we're gonna go this year. Uh, I'm gonna do a quarter zip with the BTL oh, logo yeah, on it. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, do yeah. more. Uh, I guess I've turned a new a new page in my older years here. I'm looking for for smaller and more, you know, a, maybe something you could wear wear out, out to the Mexican joint with your family for dinner on Sunday or <laughs> golfing, whatever. Golfing? What's golf? Are you not a golfer? <laughs> I, no, I could throw a ball farther than I can hit it. Um, yeah, you've no, never I, been a golfer in all your business dealings. You're the smart, the smartest, one of the smartest business minds to fish on the elite series with non-endemics and you never learned how to swing a club to do oh no meetings oh you did oh i golfed yeah i just was (laughs) no good at it (laughs) i just was no good at it so so when i when osi sponsored me and then uh, what happened was um we had to do this thing with home depot all the time and home depot always did these golf outings and um so we would get into these yeah, I guess they call them now forget for all you golfers out there, forgive me deeply. Um, they, they would be best ball scrambles, scrambles. So there would be four of us on a team and you know, whoever drove the farthest, you, you know how it is. Yeah. You play the best ball. Um, it got to the point where I didn't even tee off. <laughs> Because we, we know it was going left or right and not where it was supposed to go. So I, I didn't even tee off. Um, if it was a if it was a low iron shot, I didn't even take it. Um, but if it was a if it was a nine iron to the to the cup, I was in. Um, the finette, my finesse game was way better than anything else. But but it got to the point with all these outings that we did. Um, I would bring my my uh, flipping stick with me thought you're gonna and say then, hand, handle of jack but continue yeah so i would bring my flipping stick with me 
with a with a jig on it with the hook cut off and um we would get close to the to the pin um you know on the fringes of the of the green or even on the green but a long major long putt and i would just pitch the jig into the cup and that's what we started doing and then it turned into a game and then everybody that these outings wanted to do it and so we turned it into a major event my lack of golf skills we turned into a major <laughs> a Dude, major fishing i event. just <laughs> talked about this with bobby lane yesterday on the show you realized that i had bobby lane i created a golf ball with an eye hole in it that you could tie your line to you got four clubs a driver which was a spinning rod with just braid on it packed on a three thirty-five hundred series reel and a seven six you had your mid irons and then you flipped and pitched around the green and i went to a private private club grasslands in florida he brought andy bean in who had has multiple top five major finishes longtime tour angler and bobby lane we did a par three par four and par five cast and andy bean played golf and it was like a big show that we did i called it line links i believe and dude uh, that's cool we did it a uh, big show on bass zone back in the day this was probably 2017 2016 that i did this that's fabulous. Same man. thing you just described. Yeah, so that's what that's what I wound up doing. But at the time I lived on number 13 at the links in I mean, I was single. I lived on a golf course. I had free golf. So in the evenings I would go out and on a on a uh uh I'd get like, you know, there was like a less than 100 yards and you could take that golf ball on it and just launch cast, it. Cat, and you're like five to 10 foot from the hole or less every single time. Oh, that's money, dude. And it's so much fun. Yeah. We had a blast when we did all those things. We, uh, we set games up for all the vendors, you know, that mm -hmm. uh, on these golf outings, we set games up. We had pitching contests, casting contests. Um, and we set up on the green at one hole and the players had the chance that they could either chip in and, and putt or they can let me cast it in and they would, and they would have to take however many casts it took me to get it in, or they can put their way in. And um, what happened was everybody was real skeptical in the beginning. And there were a couple guys that were all about it. So they're like, yeah, shoot it in there. And then phew, I drop it right in the cup. And then after a while, everybody was just going scalish, do it. <laughs> so it was great practice for me, <laughs> for me, but, um, it turned into a, it turned into a, one of the funnest, that OSI sponsorship for me was one of the highlights of my fishing career. Those, those guys over there were so much fun and so good mm -hmm. that we, everything we did turned into an absolute blast. Are you going to bring them back when you announce your, uh, bid to make the classic uh, fishing <laughs> the opens in 2024 are you gonna they, resurrect the the osi sponsorship unfortunately they they sold the company but they um, still exist they 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 osi still exists i would but, i would venture i would people, venture to show them the show i'd venture to show them maybe some of the past photos the people that i dealt with the original people from osi are not involved with osi anymore so i will not go back to osi probably if you the original call them? if the original guys were there i would go back in a minute i got you those guys were the best we we would it was one of the funnest parts of my fishing career was working with them um because they were 
they were wide thinkers. They weren't pinned hold into anything. Um, they would listen to every idea. Do it was so much fun. I can't even tell you how much fun it was. And I still keep in contact with them today. You got anything else, Frank? Nah, I got to go buy a lawnmower. You That's what? what I got. Yeah, my lawnmower. The block cracked on it. The the blade's no good anymore. The frame cracked on it. I've had it for a million years. You and things that you have to drive don't get along. <laughs> no. No, that's why I'm not a race car driver. <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. Or patience. <laughs> or patience. Oh, yeah. I could, I could imagine you on the golf course. Oh, no. No. I used to go, When I was a kid, I golfed all the time until mm-hmm. I, I got about 16 or 17. And then I said, no, I'm not doing it. We'll end with that. <laughs> you guys isn't denying that he's fishing the opens next. You year. guys are you guys are totally backing me into a corner. <laughs> All right, this has been another edition of Day Four with the man Frank Scalish, number one hundred and twenty-six. Same place, same time next Thursday. We'll see you then.